0: SegaBits presents SegaTalk, a podcast talking all things Sega with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. Hello, and welcome to SegaTalk. I'm Barry, with me is George.
1: Ah, George King.
0: George Kid, George the Kid. Yes. Um, and if <laughs> you can't tell, on this episode, we're adventuring back into the world of Alex Kid. Yes, we are talking about the Sega Genesis Mega Drive game, Alex Kid in the Enchanted Castle. And this is our 47th episode, meaning we are very close to episode 50. And we're not going to reveal what it is, but I will say that it is a pick from one of our Patreon supporters. And if you like the show and you want us to hear, you want us to hear. You want us to cover a specific game. If you back us at a certain tier, I believe it's the what is it, the $20, $20. tier, yeah. you get to pick what we talk about. And you don't need to keep that tier forever. You keep it for one month so it processes. And within that month, you can pick your game and we cover it. If you want to drop it back down, you can. If you want to keep supporting at that level, we appreciate that. We appreciate you and you you know you can build them up like little credits so you can be like I want to cash in and I'm picking every episode
1: for and, the
0: for the rest of your lives. and
1: there's like a number coming up that is like special to you and you want to like get your game on that number you could also like pre-order like number 69 which is a good number to pre-order <laughs> and whenever 69 comes around you'll be your episode dedicated to you the king of 69
0: seaman would be a goodish episode 69 um <laughs> But on this episode, we're talking about Alex Kidd, and it's it's a weird choice, in my opinion, just because I don't think either one of us are big Alex Kidd fans. No. No. And the reason we're talking about it is because Alex Kidd is coming back. Like, <laughs> Sega licensed it out, and a team is working on it. And this team has been working on it for a while. It's called Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX, which yeah. is kind of weird because it's not a director's cut. Because the director of Alex Kidd is not working on it.
1: No. Yeah.
0: So I think that's a little weird. But this episode, we are talking about Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle, also called Alex Kidd Heavenly Evil Castle in Japan, and Alex Kidd Martial Sky in Korea. Uh,
1: (laughs) Martial Sky. So
0: this Martial Sky, like Martial Law, I don't know, Sky Law. um, The game was released to the Sega Mega Drive in Japan, On February 1989 and in the US I was going the original notes said that it was a Sega Genesis launch title in August we'll get to that and I think this is breaking news some people know about this but no one's talking about it none of the wikis have this information so basically it came out late 89 or even early 1990 uh, in America and the European release was November 1990 so that's right Um, This was not a launch title, despite every source on the internet saying otherwise. So like I said, stay tuned. We will get to that. This was the fifth game in the Alex Kidd franchise. Uh, Enchanted Castle also has the distinction of being the only 16-bit game in the franchise. Mm. And like other titles in the series, the game was a side-scrolling platformer. The game was developed by Sega R&D 2. Which you can hear more about in our Alex Kidd in Miracle World episode, but Mark Cerny of uh, the Sega Technical Institute, and he's he's with uh, Sony now, right?
1: Yeah, he's been uh, he did the whole PS5 thing. I mean, four and the five. Yeah,
0: that's insane. Uh, but he described Sega R and D two as a sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. And, um, and uh, yeah, and we we did dive into it more on the uh, Miracle World episode, but it's really hard to find development stories from R and D two games because they really just cranked them out. Yeah, um, they didn't even like elevate their game makers to be like, this is Yu Suzuki, this is uh, Yuji Naka, this is so and so for Alex Kidd. They they didn't do that. Um,
1: and then, so and, it's. And... Uh, and I think this is why my memories with Alex Kidd. And I know this is the next question, right? We're going to talk about our memories with the franchise. Right. I think. Yeah. Well, why don't you share them? Go ahead. I think for a while Sega was doing like all their eight tier team was like doing uh, arcade games. So you had Outrun, you had Hang On, you had you had all these games coming out on on arcade. That and then they, they we got Yuzuki and other uh, names. And I feel like. It took a while for the console side to, like, catch up in talent. And I think in the Mm. early 90s, that's when it really started hitting off with, like, Shinobi. Like, the Shinobi sequels were coming to home consoles. Uh, Streets of Rage was a console exclusive. And, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, of course. But uh, this one right here, I played it way late. I remember thinking, like, um, I don't even know how I played it. It might have been in one of those, like, you know, when you, like, get, like, er like early ROMs when I was testing out the Sega Genesis uh, ROM on my computer, and uh, right. I think this is one of the game, one of the early games I played because I accidentally thought it had something to do with I think Castle of Illusion because they both have castle oh. in it, and this one's enchanted, the other one's an illusion. Um, even though it has nothing to do with it, I just kind of assumed because Alex Kidd does do kind of time travel and uh, different games where he goes right. to Shinobi world. Um, yeah, so I kind of just assumed that because I was I'm dumb. But uh, early memories, I don't know. I thought it was kind of ganky. It was probably not the worst game I've ever played. That's all I kind of remember. I just remember (laughs) it being kind of like an average platformer with a a lot of problems. And I think there's a lot of other better platformers like, I don't know, Adventure Island uh, that I enjoyed back then Uh, when I was younger. So uh, to me, it's like I could see why Sega kind of removed themselves from Alex Kidd, even though they had like, what, five entries?
0: Yeah, five or six. Um, and yeah, so for me with the game, I I don't have distinct memory, but I'm almost sure that this is one of those games I rented for a weekend, didn't get too far into, either because it was too difficult for me um, or because I just didn't enjoy it. But looking at the cover art, it is weird cover art, and we'll, we'll cover that, but it does have like a very Indiana Jones kind of vibe to it, mm. which would have appealed to me at the time. I also really liked um, Quackshot. And so that game, which also kind of ripped off Indiana Jones, um, I could see myself seeing Alex Kidd and going, oh, okay, platforming adventure game, kind of looks like Indiana Jones. I'll I'll check this out. Um, But, yeah, honestly, like, I, uh... The first stage is really the only thing that I see, and I think, okay, yeah, I've, uh... I've played this. I've played this. Um, but outside of that, no, I really... I don't have any strong, strong memories of this. Um, it's just that first stage. I really do feel like I've I've played briefly. Um, yeah, so... Uh, speaking of how many Alex Kidd games there are, you might think Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle was the final game in the series. However... Alex Kidd in Shinobi World released to the U.S. and Europe in 1990. And to my knowledge, there was no Japanese release of Shinobi World, which meant Enchanted Castle was the final game in the series in Japan. However, Mm. the reason we are recording this episode is because, as I mentioned, Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX was announced by Merge Games, Jenkin Team, and Sega for a 2021 release. So, oh, and I should also add in my research... I did find that they were really aggressively, in 1989, pushing Alex Kidd in high-tech world. It was um, the cover... That's a Master System game. It was the cover of one of the last Sega newsletters. I think the last one actually was Alex Kidd. They were also pushing it in a lot of magazines. So, in my research for like late 1989 Alex Kidd games, I honestly don't think they had a reason to release um, this game... Because high tech was like three months before you know the release of the Genesis, it was uh, it was fresh in everyone's minds and maybe they either felt like they needed to hold off because they already had an Alex Kid game out, or there was another reason. Um, but regardless, so what are your thoughts on the series as a whole? Um, it's differing gameplay styles and the idea that Shinobi World was the final game until the recently announced DX.
1: I actually, my favorite one that I played, I remember playing through at least a little bit of all of them years ago. And I remember Shinobi World really kind of stuck with me. Not because it was, like, amazing or anything. I just liked the idea that, like, Alex Kidd could be this, like, I don't know. Like, he could go on adventures and instead of, like, you know how when you play, like, those um, Sonic Story story games or whatever, where he's, like, a knight or whatever, the, you know, the Black Knight and the Secret of the Ring? I like the right. idea, and Mickey Mouse did the same thing, right? Where he was a knight or whatever in one game, and then in the other one, he was like uh, some other hero. Um, I like the idea that Alex Kidd could do that, but within Sega franchises. So if you want to release a racing game, it's like uh, Alex Kidd in Outrun World. Uh, and I, I kind of <laughs> like that aspect of it, and I thought they did a nice job of like making uh, the Shinobi world a little kitty ish. Um, so I really like that one. Um, so if we ever do an episode on that one, I'll be gleeful about Alex Kidd. Uh, as f- yeah. far as DX, I actually think it looks cool. A lot of people have been knocking the art style. I don't like the bloomy effect. It kind of gives it that dreamy look. But mm. outside of that, I actually kind of like the new redesigns. I like the way that um, Alex Kidd looks. It looks a little silly, little like a uh, little monkey boy, more like his origins, <laughs> really. It was like Dragon right, Ball, yeah. uh, Monkey Boy King, or what do they call it? Uh, monkey King? Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, and, you know, that's interesting you say that, because for me, I thought that the different kind of uh, gameplay styles and them never really landing on one kind of hurt the series because no one ever latched... Like, imagine if Sonic the Hedgehog came out. Sonic 1 was Sonic 1. Sonic 2 was a completely different gameplay style. Sonic 3 mixed it up again and was like a spoof of... uh, shinobi (laughs) you know i mean that was alex kid but at the same time it showed that he was very versatile he could be a racing game he could be a platformer he could be an arcade kind of uh there was the one with the little girl i forgot which one that was um was that the lost stars i think that was an arcade uh release and then it came to master system Mm. um as far as the recently announced dx i think I, well, I think it is a smart move to just like straight up take inspiration from the first game. I think the mere fact that the game has so much history, they really should have announced, and maybe they still will, but I don't think they will, kind of more influence from other games. So you could be like, oh, his BMX bike design from that game is in this, and there is a Shinobi costume, and there is a Lost Stars mode where you collect the stars, and there is... You know what I mean? Like have nods to all the series within this.
1: Yeah, like I, a, I think uh, that would have been smart. Like, uh kind of like establish a platforming formula, and then within that formula, have like a every stage is based off of a Sega game that's come out in the last year or something. You know, kind of a way, right? To like, exactly. Like connect the worlds back then, and I think this is really early on in you know Sega's history of gaming. Eighty nine. I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason why the Sega Genesis was called the Genesis. It's kind of like a uh, redo for the for them as a console creator, especially with Sonic. And I think he was just, our Alex Kidd was just shy a couple of years maybe. If they gave this game, uh, I don't know, maybe a year or more of development time and, like, rethought everything out and, like, maybe he could have been viable. But, I mean, after Sonic, it's kind of hard to go back to Alex Kidd, dude.
0: For sure, yeah, yeah. and um, <laughs> I mean, I will say that Enchanted Castle, it was notable for bringing the game back to its roots. Um, it For a lot of people, it felt like the first real sequel to the original, and Enchanted Castle was uh, within the launch window, you know? So in that context, it was clear that the target audience were people who owned the Sega Master System original, and they were seeing the Genesis coming out, and they're like, oh look, it has... A recognizable game that I was used to there. Um, Other games on the console that I'm trying to think... So, Space Harrier did have Master System ports. Um, Alex Kidd had Master System games. So there was a few titles there, but the other ones were really like Altered Beast released to both platforms at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Thunderblade released to both platforms. These aren't all launch titles, but they released within that launch window. So... Talking about the Genesis, um, the games released within the launch window clearly pushed the machine as part of um, Sega's home arcade and part 16-bit master system. So they were really pushing games that brought the arcade experience home, and they were also pushing games that were like, hey, remember that master system game? Here's a 16-bit version. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's your opinion on how Sega, I didn't really know how to phrase this, but how they framed the Genesis at launch. Cause I guess I could think of an example when the Xbox one was announced, they were really pushing it as a multimedia hub more than a game yeah, machine. That's um, true. so in this case, when, when the Genesis was first being launched, they were very clearly pushing it's the arcade experience at home, which was something they did a lot with the master system. Yeah. And they were kind of, you know, dangling master system, uh, franchises in people's faces saying like, Hey, check this one out. Um, but honestly, like, did I mean, did that, that characterization really did change over time. That's a question mm-hmm. I asked, but I, I'm answering it now. Because as we both know, 1991 saw a big reframing of the Genesis. So what's your opinion on that original kind of idea of what the Genesis was at launch? And you saw in that commercial, too. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like the Genesis drops from the ceiling and saves everyone from... The 8 uh, bit NES. Remember that one? Of course,
1: one? yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So, what's, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that Sega's always kind of like marketed their consoles as an arcade machine, which is kind of like one of those things that I, I always wonder why people want. Like, I want a new Sega console, of course, but like, one of the things that Sega's always done, even Master System, Genesis, Saturn, and even Dreamcast, was uh, this is the arcade experience at your house. Um, and that's something that, like, I, I, it's not as valued as it used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the smart way of doing it. I think that probably sold a lot of people at this time. Because, I mean, or er, er, 88 or what, 89? I mean, I guess if you're in Japan, the, the Mega Drive came out in 88, right? Um, right. It was, there was, like, this renaissance of, like, arcades, right? So, especially in Japan. So that makes 100% sense. And... I'm actually kind of surprised. Did Sega of America really push the Master System? People like try to push the Master System existing fan base to the Genesis? It's like I feel like this would have been more of a, I don't know, European slash like Brazilian like move.
0: Yeah, so I, I really think that in America they were pushing the home arcade. And, I f- and they were pushing the celebrities. And I think in Japan, because of the 1988 release and because the Master System, Mark, what is it, the Mark 7, Mark 3? Mm-hmm. 3, 3. Mark, three. Um, <laughs> uh, it was you know, fresh in people's minds and they liked it, that um, in other territories they were pushing it as like, this is your upgrade from the Master System. And I think in America they were like, no, we want nothing to do with that. So with that in mind... You really didn't see that, hey, it's the new Master System. They were really rebooting themselves with the Genesis mm. name. But despite that, because they had to localize these games, because otherwise they don't have a really strong library, it does kind of give that vibe that they are pushing Master System titles on the on at the onset. And it I guess for in their case doesn't help, but in Alex Kidd's case does help that there's so much familiarity here. Between the original game and this game.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> one of the things we talk... A lo- I mean, one of the things I've noticed, as you know... Like, this has nothing to do with this. But, like, as a collector... You're a collector of Sonic the Hedgehog stuff, right? You've, like, right. gone online and you've seen the masses amounts of, like, crap. That, like, has Sonic the Hedgehog pictures on it, right? right. Like, I always wonder... Is there somebody that collects Alex Kidd stuff that has like all these like look I have an Alex Kidd jacket and I have this that came out in nineteen you know, eighty nine for this launch game and this one in eighty six for this party and this pin. Like you think there's that much stuff made of Alex the Kidd collectible?
0: Um I don't think there is a lot of stuff. I have isn't there a figurine? Maybe there is a figurine. But to be honest, I really haven't seen much. Um
1: It's gr- it's that just, is that just, is a good question. It's just one of those. I don't weird think things, there's much, right? because like he's supposed to be a mascot, but like how many other I guess, pseudo mascots were there back in the nineties, right? Remember when everybody I, wanted to have their own?
0: Right. I kind of push back. I think. I mean, I, I don't think he was a mascot. I kind of push back on that. I think he just was a, Sega owned franchise that had a lot of games. And I think when people look at that, they go, oh, he's the mascot. Like um, Crash Bandicoot, people say he's the mascot. No. But, like, he isn't,
1: right? I, I No, but I guess people that grew up in that era saw him as a mascot. And commercials for Sony definitely pushed him that way, I guess, at in the, in the time. But right. he's not really even Sony-owned, so that's kind of weird, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think I think people just kinda like they like to name a mascot. Like they think, um, Knights was the Saturn's mascot, or they think uh Ulala I've seen her named as the Dreamcast mascot, you know, so it's I, I think he gets that reputation from people, but I have to wonder if like higher up they were actually even thinking nah. he you know, he was a mascot. To be honest, I've seen like the Afterburner jet pushed as the mascot. Because more sometimes. Like, I'll see it in so many ads, and I'm like, oh, what a what a fun character, the, the Jet.
1: Um, when you look at one of the old um, Sega Vision magazines, there's this um, article or, like, news or, like, a little write-up on the side where it has Sato or what's his name? I forgot what his name is. The guy that did, that created every single Sega console. And he's just... It's, like, four pictures of him chilling with a bunch of, like, Opa Opa, Opa uh, dolls. And I'm like, I mean... To him, I'm assuming, he's talking about how much he loves the character. Like, some right. people in Japan, they consider that even a, a pseudo mascot, I guess, for a while. Where it, it got, yeah. like, three years of popularity, and then it burned down and left.
0: I mean, I think Opa Opa's a, I mean, we use him as the sagabits mascot. <laughs> yeah. And I think why he's so fantastic is because he's a character, but he also looks like an icon. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's a, he's almost like a logo, he doesn't have, he has wings. He has a little personality there, but there's no face. He's just a series of shapes. And you look at those, um, sprite shapes of him and it's just, it's, it could have just been a logo that you're looking at. And it's not really, it's like a designed object. Um, and it's, I, I like the colors of it. I like, um, I like the little wings. I like the fact that Opa Opa can have feet or he can have a little, uh, uh, Little blaster yeah. in his butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um so he's I think he's an endearing character. Um, far more than Alex. But yeah, that's a going back to the collectibles question, that's interesting. I if you're listening to this and you're not only an Alex Kidd fan, but you're a collector and like you actually own Alex Kidd stuff that I, I've never heard of, um, I don't know, leave us a comment or email us if you have pictures. <laughs> Pictures or something. Yeah, especially um, if
1: you, like, worked at Sega or during this time. Because there's people that we follow on, like, Twitter that, like, worked at Sega in some capacity, like at Bone Line or whatever. So, right. yeah, for sure.
0: Um, So, let's get into the story here. Uh, and do you have it queued up with the uh, video?
1: Yeah, I do. So, you just want to look All right, at the so, video? Yeah, let's
0: just get right into the video. Um, so, it's at 20 seconds in. When you're ready to play, I can start talking.
1: All right. One... Two, three.
0: Okay. Scrolling text. Hi, I'm Alex Kidd. (laughs) I live on the planet Ares. My brother, Igul, is king. Frankly, my life was uneventful. But then I heard a rumor. My (laughs) lost father, King Thor, was alive on the planet Paper Rock. Why is it named Paper Rock? Because... Everyone there is an expert at the game called Paper, Rock, Scissors. You get it? If a visitor is no good at that game, he won't last long. My family didn't want me to go, but I have to find out. Is my father still alive? And uh, <laughs> that's, that's the plot of the game
1: um how does that make you feel
0: how does it make me feel like Uh, well
1: it first of all it sounds like if i went back in time and i read my stories in second grade for creative writing that like that's exactly what my stories would be like they kidnapped my father Uh oh people here have to know how to do rock know how to play tag right (laughs) Um, okay
0: you know going going back to talking about other franchises I think Alex Kidd kind of falls flat just because I don't think it's a memorable story I don't think the names are very memorable and maybe people get mad at me but like I'll encounter people who are like I grew up in South America I love Alex Kidd oh my gosh planet Aries, King Thor King like they talk about (laughs) these places like it's it's you know everyone knows these names
1: like is the Green Hill Zone
0: well, yeah, and I have to wonder if that's what I sound like when I'm like, oh, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog in Green Hill Zone with Dr. Eggman Robotnik, and then there's Scrap Brain Zone, and then there's Chopper. You know, like, I start naming off the badniks, like
1: well when I went but, to that sonic party that's what it felt like when all you guys in the Sonic uh, retro guys were talking about like super obscure like characters and you guys were just making jokes about it and I'm like oh yeah that's right I know what you guys are talking about <laughs> exactly <laughs> but
0: but I think the di- the difference is m- maybe the Alex kid stuff is like you can just sit down with a bunch of bunch of people in regions where these games really kicked off but you know here it's reading this it's just this is all kind of foreign to me like I I completely forgot that King Thor was his dad's name, Ares was are the nice, planet.
1: Are you surprised that are you surprised that it, it has a tie in with the Marvel movies?
0: Yeah, that's surprising too. <laughs> but I think I think just I think the story would have I think the the game universe would have been stronger if it was simplified. So if you had Alex Kidd as the prince of Miracle World, and you can keep King Thor, I guess. And Planet Paper Rock, but you don't need, like, another king who's his brother, and then he goes from Planet Aries to Planet Paper Rock, and, like, what's Miracle World? Is that, like, a different... Play? I mean, maybe I'm offending Alex Kidd fans right now, but I just, I feel like this game really would have benefited from Sega of America TLC that they gave in the 90s to Sonic, because... Sega of america were like no let's not have a rock band and let's not have a girlfriend like they really simplified it and stripped it down which is funny because my complaint about this game is actually that i think going to rescue your dad is a very boring plot it's something we've seen a lot in games either avenging someone or rescuing someone um fantasy zone i think is the same story remember that you're like where's your dad and it's like your dad's the enemy
1: oh and, yeah well that was the darth vader moment i mean there's a payoff in the end i mean is your dad bad in the in this movie in this game is there a twist well,
0: we'll get to that it's kind of a letdown okay um uh what do you think about rescue plots in in 80s video games
1: it's funny i mean you have to have something um you have to have a really good journey and i think you have to have a really good payoff in the end to like Mm-hmm. make it work i think if you're just gonna be doing it like bread and butter like I, it's funny because one of my favorite uh animes is uh hunter hunter who is the, the the subline like the little plot they give you in the beginning is that he's finding his dad but like it goes on to a bunch of other crap you know when they you know they do 160 episodes it goes to what you know a bunch of different uh plot po- points but like uh-huh. Do I like the idea? That, that was one of the things that kind of withdrew me from that, watching the whole thing, when I was like, uh, just a dad plot. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not the worst. It could be a lot worse. I mean, what's Sonic doing? Is he saving his dad? Where's, where's Sonic's dad? Why does Sonic get to run around all day and I can't when I was a kid?
0: I, I think what works with Sonic is that the, the game itself is your, um, your goal. They're like, defeat the badniks, Free the zones, mm. defeat Robotnik, and you're doing that throughout the game. In this game, you just go around playing rock paper scissors with these random enemies until you get to the final enemy. And then, you know, spoiler alert: your dad, he doesn't, he's not playable. He's not, in, he's not a boss you fight. He's just there. It's almost just like chilling. Princess Peach.
1: Yeah, um, just chilling.
0: And with. <laughs> he's just chilling and with Mario like with Princess Peach that was the first Super Mario game so you, I can forgive that because she came back in the, in the next one or at least the uh, western sequel and was playable and I thought here you know like you're introducing the dad why not either put him in the game somehow like you could call upon him for power or have him as an actual boss something like that like I just feel like when you're this far into the franchise and it's a 16 bit title you could have done more with or, alex kid's family and i bring up the king his brother king eagle because like he doesn't really play a part in the game so why do you even have him like you don't need to say alex Kidd is not the king his brother's the king
1: it's almost like it just it's how many okay so 86 through 89 they did six games like it's kind of crazy to me and they're all like kind of like different like there's one that you're in, in a sci-fi one and this one's a castle right. like medieval one it's kind of crazy
0: and I and I think a big part of that is the sweatshop uh term that they use yeah. because I think they would just they spit out ideas there was no not like with Sonic where they really crafted the story they bounced back and forth between uh, the US and Japan really fine-tuned his design everything here it was just kind of like alright you're doing another platformer go uh, alright alright uh, there's a planet uh planet areas you're alex kid we'll 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 use that monkey king thing from that we learned about in school all right good go pa- rock paper scissors good jenkin uh, I mean, yeah you know? i don't know
1: i don't know if you know this but like every time i go and i play those like chinese rip-off games you know those little like you know there's some guy in china made and they released like uh not officially on the nes uh way back uh-huh. It's always like these like Alex Kidd ripoff looking characters or like Dragon Ball like you know with the little yeah. tails. So, I mean, it's just kind of weird that Sega has a whole franchise kind of that looks like that. I'm not saying it is, but it looks like that character. Like, this is a little monkey boy. That's what it looks like, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, l- let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. So, um, mm-hmm. as mentioned, Enchanted Castle is a lot like the first game in the series, Alex Kidd and Miracle World, which is Sega Talk number thirty. Jump back and listen to that. Come back. Resume this episode. Um, it controls, uh, like your typical platformer, jumping and punching moves. Doorways can be entered by pressing up. Like, that's common. Um, however, inside you will play a game of rock, paper, scissors to obtain items, which also require your collected money to place bets. So you have to go in, have the money. You aren't able to buy the item. You have to play a no. game of chance to win the item. Um There is an item that allows you to see what your opponent's hand is, which is extremely helpful, kind of removes the whole chance. (laughs) But I think you have to, yeah, but you have to win that. Um, In the American release, in the English releases, a large weight falls on the loser's head. Well, in the Japanese release, the loser loses their clothes. And I don't know what this means, but Alex Privates are covered by a tiny elephant. Oh. Which makes me think if they're saying the little elephant trunk is like the size of his wiener.
1: I, I maybe and it's like, maybe maybe it's a regular size elephant and Alex Kid's that big. So
0: and um, can you guess what boss fights are like?
1: Uh, isn't this one where you just literally fight? Like, there's no this is not rock paper scissors fights, is it?
0: No, it's rock paper scissors. Oh, yeah, man. so um, I don't I all right look i i will say i think it's this game tiny. is enjoyable i think it's a fun little early genesis mm-hmm. game but it's very clear that they were cutting corners here when they were like all right we developed a rock paper sciss- scissors system how should we use it have it be every item shop and have it be every boss fight it's just like
1: yeah what? It's, uh, <laughs> and there's no like like me- like mechanic that's like interesting behind it it's like you either win or lose, right? Like, oh, I'm buying an item. You either get it or don't get it, right? Like, if you lose, you don't right, get you the either, item.
0: Right, you either get the item and your money is well spent or you lose the game, lose the the fight, and you don't get your item and you lost your money that you bet. And with the so, boss fight, you have to start the level over again. So it's a game of chance in order to proceed, which I think sounds really unfair. Um to be quite honest i would have preferred it if each boss just had the exact same um, fight set you know what i mean like uh, we've talked about games in the past where we're like man each boss is the same but at least you're fighting someone
1: you know yeah there's some um, chance that you could just like memorize the tactics between this character it's not this right. thing where you just randomly get to like level 4 or level 6 and then it's like oh i lost rock paper scissors okay cool like us do this right. all the right and
0: it, it And it really doesn't feel like... So, it annoys... I don't like it when platformers rely heavily on a game mechanic that is completely different from platforming in order to progress. So, in this case, I don't like it when I'm really fine-tuning my skills to get through the levels, jump, attack, all that. And then when it really counts, I need to do a game of chance to win. And I'm... As much as I like the Sonic games, I kind of don't like the special stages in that sense because in some games you need to collect all the emeralds in order to have an additional stage. And sometimes it's like, oh, you're really good at Sonic? Cool. Now here's a game where you're running on a three-dimensional grid and you need to collect these little bubbles. And I'm like, they my, never skills in the, my, yeah, my skills in the game don't really translate to that. So I have to get good at a different type of game in order to get good get better and i think some of the best sonic special stages are ones that use the in-game uh sort of system so for example i I actually think the half pipe is pretty good compared to sonic 1's like spinning maze because at the very least you have a little more control and the half pipe does feel like a 3d sonic game um yeah but i mean that's just me so uh
1: I, I was going to say about the rock, paper, scissors, I feel like some aspects of it can work. Like like you said, the item part, it sucks because you pay money and then you either get the item or you don't get the item, depending on chance. Right. And there's right. other games that kind of like these new road like games. I don't know if you played any of these, but like the Binding of Isaac, uh you, it's kind of like random weaponized. So you could have done like, oh, it's three weapons you could pick. Depending on if you win, I guess if you win, you get a different weapon, and if you lose, you get a different different weapon, and it's random. It would have been better because you at least get something, but there's some some random some randomness to it, so you don't get what you want. So you're always on your toes, experimenting with new items, like something like that could work. Right. But not giving you an item is dumb, like you know.
0: Right, and I will say I do like how because I um I played the game a bit. Before we recorded, but I also watched a playthrough, and um, in the playthrough, they would do things where they'd like jump with the pogo stick, get really high, and then they'd pause, switch to the pedicopter, and they'd start going up in the sky. And I thought that was really cool that you could switch items on the fly like that. That is pretty cool, yeah. That's pretty cool, and it reminds me of um, uh, the item shop in Fantasy Zone, where... But the difference is, you can enter the item shop whenever you want because you own those items, and it's not like only entering the item shop allows you to change what you're using. And so, with that, with that in mind, I feel like Alex Kidd does kind of lift some ideas from Fantasy Zone and improve mm-hmm. upon them. So, I, I just I feel like. Alex kid in the enchanted castle is like one rom hack away from being a really great game.
1: Yeah, for and sure. <laughs> I like, just
0: I think yeah,
1: like doing that whole like I told you like items rethinking that uh, and how mm-hmm. that works, and then maybe just the bosses actually having some gimmicks where you have to memorize some patterns. I think would have worked.
0: Like maybe the item shops only gave you tokens to try another game of rock, paper, scissors against the boss. So you could go through the stage and all the items themselves were like out and about scattered and collect money and all that. But when you went to the item shops, you were only buying extra chances against the boss. So you could like rack up like nine of them. And then once you get to the boss, you might have that that magic... No, what is it? The necklace we'll yeah. get to the items here yeah or you might have um you know you might have like six chances so you're like oh i'm gonna make this and sure that's like super easy
1: but like i've already
0: dropped 45 bucks on this game because apparently that was the going that was the price for the game when it released and um, that was
1: uh back then so that's like in nine nineteen eighty nine 1989 dollars that's like a million dollars today <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah honestly. yeah
0: um yeah, I will say, yeah, uh, the game was forty four ninety nine according to two reviews that I saw, and there was actually a video of a Toys R Us in nineteen ninety, and it was thirty nine ninety nine. So, Ooh. you know, that's not that bad of a price terrible. back
1: then. No, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, let's go through the items here real quick. So we've got the magic ring which shoots Ooh. fireballs, the pogo stick which allows Alex to jump extra high, and I think that's new to this game. Oh. Um the motorbike you can run over enemies in Alex's path the cane which allows him to levitate um is that a japanese thing
1: canes to help you walk dude they don't help you they <laughs> don't they help you see don't things know. in your way
0: well there was that guy that that uh cowboy bebop one where it was like an uh, umbrella right and he would like yeah. float would that um, makes sense
1: with the wind you know
0: that's true uh there's the helicopter which allows him to fly and shoot missiles, which I think is called the Pedicopter because of the pedals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people are like, oh, he's a little boy, petty pedifotin. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: The That's, cape, which
0: <laughs> yeah, which is invincibility, and then the necklace, which allows you to read the opponent's mind during the scissor-paper-rock match. Um, from this list, what's your favorite item, and what's your least favorite item?
1: I, I, I actually, maybe, the, I, I don't the cane because I don't it's the least favorite, but my favorite obviously is the necklace because you don't have you could read the rock, paper, scissors, bro. You don't even have to do it. And why does it say uh scissors, paper, rock? Come on, it's rock, paper, scissors. Everyone yeah. knows it.
0: That's a little that, copy paste on my part. So um.
1: <laughs> you don't say it like that in Chicago? What is it? Is it over there? Scissors. Yeah, we paper, call rock.
0: it uh we call it bada bing bada boom.
1: <laughs> ah yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. What's your least favorite uh, item?
0: My my favorite would probably be the uh, helicopter, and my least favorite would probably be... <sighs> Invincibility just sounds kind of boring, and it's fleeting. I kind of like stuff like fireballs, and, and at the very least, you can use the item. Kind of like Adventure Island, or you can use it until you get hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have gone a little further, Added a few more, but it's it's. I think it's a decent list. I think one of the strengths of the Alex Kidd games are the little vehicles, mm. so it's cool to see them back in this. I I think the pogo stick is kind of the for being like new to the series and like the big new item in this game. It's kind of weak. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was in other games, but oh, pogo. Eh. Um. So the game itself, there's eleven stages compared to Miracle World seventeen
1: wow that's way less yeah. dude
0: <laughs> yeah despite being fewer stages there is more exploration in the sky and in the underground route so real quickly here let's run through the stages in the game you ready
1: yeah i got it you want to see so stage we one? got
0: yeah stage one we got rookie town um not too much to say about this it's your it's your standard green hill zone um, what do you think about the
1: buildings, though? Like, why do they? I've never seen buildings like that where they're like round on top, like the roofs are round. There's no roof on these things.
0: They look kind of like Tunisian houses or something, you know, that you'd see in the middle in the Middle East or something.
1: That's what I'm saying. Um, it's kind of like this weird uh, look to the buildings.
0: Yeah, Alex, kid in general, the aesthetics are almost kind of like uh, tropical meets Middle Eastern meets like Japanese folklore. It's very, it's a very strange mix. For sure, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to the prairie, this one's kind of funny because it has hedgehogs. <laughs> That's what I was going
1: to say right now. Is this like a call back to Sonic?
0: A call forward. This is Sonic's brother, um, right
1: there, just chilling in the bush.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think the bird's kind of cool. I like that he has this like little red streak of like color on his eye. And um, there's a second image here where you actually can go underground and there's bones. Yeah. So I think. Honestly, I think the stages, you know, they're not, these are no, like, Sonic the Hedgehog in terms of, um, you know, how detailed the sprite work is. But they're, I think they're cute. I like the idea of there being, like, a distinct difference between the above ground and the underground with the bones. Um,
1: I mean, it does give you a big appreciation for what Sonic the Hedgehog, like, accomplished by the, you know, with the sky, the the parallax scrolling and all these things that, like, they unlocked because, like... Right now we have this thing where every time because we're having new consoles right now, right and every time we have consoles, right. we always network, we always go the same right We're always like, why are we going to update? Can you imagine people on the Master System looking at these screenshots and going, that's not that much better, dude And then like yeah. later on we get Sonic the Hedgehog and streets of rage and it's like a massive difference you know and like just looking at oh. this, it reminds me of like a uh, it's basically a master system with just nicer a little nicer graphics.
0: Right, yeah, and you know, as we record this it is Sonic's 29th birthday and uh, Al Nilsson on Twitter was saying how he was sharing some memories and he was talking about just how amazed he was at seeing Sonic running through a uh very early like uh what would he, like a wireframe version of Green Hill Zone. So if mm-hmm. you can imagine the guy who's really in charge of the Sega Genesis in America, um Having lived through these games, like he's looking at Sonic at this time, just a few years later and going, oh my God, look at what this, this thing's capable of. People are going to freak out. And they did freak out. I freaked out. I I talk about it a lot on the show. I distinctly remember seeing Sonic the Hedgehog 1 in 1991. And I didn't know at the time what parallax scrolling was, but I was like, the backgrounds are like moving separately. It looks yeah. so three-dimensional. And I would just run back and forth and look at how it would move like that. And the best thing I knew to compare it to was um, I, I was uh, kind of an animation buff. And I remember like multi-plane camera processes where they would um, have a camera from above shooting down through various planes of glass, which had different layers of the background. So it would do that exact same effect. It would yeah. move... And the backgrounds would do that. And I was like, oh, my God, they can do this in video games. Like, this is like a cartoon come to life. Um yeah. So having said that, let's look at Splashy C.
1: <laughs> I like how we, this is going to be a Sonic the Hedgehog episode now. Sorry, guys. Well, it's
0: no. it's so hard not to talk about other <laughs> yeah. things when you talk about Alex Kidd. But oh, um, that's kind of the fun thing about it. Uh, yeah, Splashy C, you know, this is a very Alex Kidd in uh, Miracle World look here. But, like, look at that flat blue you know yeah, it's, that's
1: the flattest blue i've ever seen in my life
0: i mean it works though because they really the characters really pop on it it's very easy to see um if you remember there was a guy recently who was blasting the sonic games because he was like i could not see where the character was the sky was blue and the character was blue where is he and i'm like no one had that problem dude except for you but he should have played some alex kid because look at that
1: yeah um, <laughs> that pops right there
0: uh scorpion desert which um it has mummies yeah, so this one's cool. Um, I I really like desert stages, and I think this one looks not bad. Like, it's got some little depth with the uh, shading on the sand dunes, and mummies are cool. It's got the so uh, palm trees. You like,
1: you like the whole pyramid thing in the Middle East? I, I love mean...
0: pyramid stages. I love pyramid stages and i love snow stages
1: did you design bubsy 2 where it was everything was just pyramids (laughs) the whole be great (laughs) i think
0: my tier would be um probably like egypt pyramid stages and then it would be haunted house and then it would be snow i think those are my top three
1: it's almost like like some of these levels like okay we're going to egypt right you're rescuing your dad why are you in egypt i don't know but like i feel like they just added all these levels and then made a plot in the end and then shipped it out
0: Right, and to talk about Sonic again, at least in Sonic 1, there was kind of a, a connective tissue. Yeah, because you would go from Green Hill to Marble, and you'd see a little bit of a connection. You'd go underwater, and there would be connections there. You really felt like you were kind of going on a little journey. And Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 really pushed that with the little connective... Uh, uh, Cutscenes. Cutscenes, yeah. Um, I think Alex Kidd in, in, in the Enchanted Castle really would have benefited from like a map screen um or some transitions here just to get you the feel that you're moving around um quackshot had a map screen so you could be like oh okay i get why i'm going from the city to mm. ancient egypt uh More speaking budget. of which
1: there's actually hmm? <laughs> sorry sorry go on you were talking about the ancient egypt
0: well yeah so uh, talking about connective things there is a connection here you go from the pyramid after Inside. you're in the uh, scorpion desert and <laughs> what do you think he's doing here
1: uh he's trying to hide from uh, bad from bad people (laughs) that's what it looks Uh, like but he's smiling though look at him he's like smiling while he's under that rock it's gonna crush him but he's smiling
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of weird like it's the background almost feels like it's all in the background even the ground itself you know what i mean so it looks like he's just floating there
1: there's like no 3D yeah. where it's like the back is further back. I don't know what's further back in the screenshot. It's just like a bunch of Egyptian drawings and bricks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to get so many thumbs downs from Alex Kid fans. Um, I hope not. <laughs> uh, me too. Let's check out Hi Ho Forest.
1: This one, uh, I guess it, the background still has that kind of like, oh, we just put a bunch of like, this is just a big tree in the back right here. And it's so weird, the the texture. But besides that, this one looks a little easier to navigate because it's obvious what's forward, what's in the front and what's in the back and what you can't jump on. So at least it has that going for it. But yeah.
0: Um, What I think is weird then when you get, and I I swear I'm not wrong in this, but when you get to Tropics Town, it looks exactly like the first stage.
1: Stage seven? I mean, or the next one, right? Yeah, Tropics Town. They reused the same trees for sure.
0: They reused, I think, everything. I think it's the exact same stage.
1: They didn't even change the colors. Like, can you imagine if they just made this a night stage? Like, it would have gave it a totally different vibe. Or they just changed the colors to, like, brown. Like, oh, now it's autumn. Just change everything from green to, like, red and and yellow. Instead, they just, like, didn't even change anything. They just reused everything.
0: For sure. And then when you check out the next one, Rock Mountain, which is called Rock Mountain 1. Uh-oh. Um... I mean, I think this looks fine, but then we're going to just blast through this one here. Go to Rock Mountain 2. Uh-oh. This is a different okay. stage entirely, but they look like they're from the same stage. Like, it's all the same... Uh, assets. Al- assets, yeah.
1: Yeah. Not, <clears throat> sweatshop. I mean... <laughs>
0: Um, Now, there is some connective uh, tissue here when you go to the next one called To the Sky because in Rock Mountain 2, you're going upwards and then you're in the sky. That's cool. And then, and I like sky stages, actually. Like, as, as simple as they are, I think it's fun to fly around and I like the little blimp enemy. And then after that, you get to Sky Castle. So, you see, there is a connection here. I think the game just kind of, like, fumbles during the uh first half but um you, what do you, you think about th- sky castle
1: this looks pretty this one looks pretty cool you could tell that some of the assets like are maybe recolored i think like the ice right here It kind of looks like the same rocks as uh uh right here the brown oh no no they're different actually mm-hmm. you know you, yeah this looks like an all new kind of like uh stage it looks pretty cool i actually never beat this game so maybe one day i'll sit down and beat them all and do a big write up on my opinion on The legacy of this franchise before the new (laughs) game comes out but yeah i like the way this game this level looks it looks all brand new compared to everything i feel like that those few stages we talked about the filler ones were probably Uh just that filler stages because they didn't have enough time to finish the game they wanted to finish like it always is back in the olden days
0: yeah and then as you can see here he's walking now towards a little um arch so let's, let's do this uh, next video. This is spoiler alert. This is the end of the game. Uh-oh. So, and this is, I credit, Nintendo Complete for uploading this uh, last year. You ready?
1: <laughs> Poor guy, dude. Give him a sub, dude. I'm going to sub him right here, right now. There you go. I sub. Do it. All right. I'm going to play it. One, two, three. All
0: right. So as you can see here, he took out the last guy and he said, You're mean. I want my mommy. <laughs> Perfect. So watch this. Here's your big reveal. Alex, it's me, your father. How do you like Paper Rock? (laughs) Oh. A nice place to visit, right? Ashra, be good from now on. So this is the big bad guy of the game. I've learned my lesson now. (laughs) This
1: is evil.
0: And then he says, listen to this. Alex's father, Thor hadn't been a prisoner at all. He had actually been using Asherah as a servant.
1: Wow. Thor...
0: Thor was really quite happy. Alex was astounded. So it's like his dad just played a trick. But it was very... But was very glad to know that Thor was happy. And gave his father a big hug. So... Oh, and when Alex told his family about Thor and how he was living, everyone was overjoyed. Thereafter, the people of the two planets, Ares and Paper Rock, were always friends. So it's like, it's a very kiddie story, isn't it? Like, I feel like I just made a story up in my head to tell a little child, like... Oh, but the daddy wasn't being bad. He was just playing a trick. And hes uh, he, I mean, he was happy.
1: Imagine, <laughs> that's child abuse, dude. You like made your child go. Hey, I got kidnapped, dude. Everything's fucked, man. The whole world's fucked, bro. You, I got kidnapped. You have to travel across the world and kill many men to find me. Yeah. And in the end, you're like, actually, it was all a trick.
0: Well, and the did funny you, thing is, is Alex kids like me, son? kind of like upset or astounded or whatever and then he's like but my dad's happy. It's like your dad's happy, so you're happy. You're happy that your dad wasn't kidnapped, but he tricked you, but because your dad's happy, you're happy. And everyone's friends. You, it's just uh, such a
1: Barry can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you.
1: For some reason it's all choppy. Let me uh let me turn it off. Actually, no, it's going good now. Say what you're saying again okay. after me.
0: Um well I was just saying that it just it just kinda deflates the whole game because it's just like, oh, you're happy, we're friends. The end. And <laughs> um that's it. and that's it. And it just it just seems really strange. I don't know. Um kind of a letdown, especially when you're like, this is the big sixteen bit game and he's looking for his dad. And as you can see in that little video, like he he was technically battling the boss, but really you do a game of rock, paper, scissors and then I think you kick the boss once and that's it. It's not like you, mm, fight him. you were really fighting him. Yeah, yeah. And I guess his big thing was he had a bunch of hands. So he could play rock, paper, scissors real fast or something like that. But um, yeah, so that's that. I mean, I don't know. We could talk for hours about the plot or we could move on to the next section. What do you think?
1: Let's move on to the next sec- section.
0: All right. Yeah, so we've got here a... Um, a Sega Genesis commercial. So let's watch that. You ready?
1: Yeah, One. Uh, I'll play it now. What's the hottest 16-bit video game system with true arcade games? Great so for those uh, sound,
0: listening, it's a kid playing a Genesis two, and all these, and these games, games are flashing light. by... Uh, Space Harrier Super 2, Altered Rock Beast, World. Golden Axe, Super Hang-On, Forgotten Worlds, Revenge of Shinobi, Tommy Lasorda Baseball, Truxton, Last Battle, Arnold Palmer, Brian Zoom, Thunder Force 2, Mystic Defender, Rambo 3, Sega Genesis. Now, this kid's just like losing it. So, if you can, if you can see, Alex Kidd was not mentioned, and. Alex Kidd was not shown off in these early Sega Genesis ads. Now, you might be saying, well, Barry, at the beginning of the show, you did say that you learned the game was not one of the launch titles. However, in May of 1989, there were reviews already going out in print media of Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle. And these reviews, well, not explicit, were most likely taken from Japanese imports of the game because it came out in February... And I think Mm. what backs this up is they do talk about um, the Jenkins. What do do they call rock, paper, scissors in the Japanese version? Yeah, yeah. So they do talk about Jenkins, and if you play the American version of the game, they don't call it that. They call it rock, paper, scissors. So despite this, Sega did clearly know that the game would be coming out either early 1990 or late 1989, and yet they still opted not to put it in their ads. So... Mm. I mean, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll read this here. So, you know, I, I, I wrote out that despite being an early example of platformers on the console, it seemed like Alex Kidd took a backseat to celebrity-fronted games like Joe Montana and Michael Jackson, as you saw with this, the Genesis Does ad campaign, um, arcade games like Altered Beast, and licensed platformers like Mickey Mouse. And you you and I both know Al Nilsson um, had that, famous mickey mouse video that's like the first time we saw him was where yeah. he was showing off mickey mouse and he's like look at this animation look at that um and it just it it wasn't there why do you think they just glossed over alex kid i mean sure it wasn't released yet but the game was out in february so they had the footage they had review copies
1: because um like i said it felt like a transitional game where its main point was to be a low budget 16-bit title to get people that bought the master system which wasn't that many in america to transition to the sega genesis in some areas and i feel like uh like you've seen l nielsen he understands uh that in america graphics and next generation we're always chasing in america that right uh, that they'll sell so he probably thought there's other games or that or celebrities right so right. th- that's his big push was the uh, look how cool, look how good this game looks, and or look who's on the game, Mickey Mouse slash, uh, Michael Jackson or whoever it was right. at the time. So I could see that in his marketing perspective and the way his uh, tensions or intentions to sell a console in America were. It makes a hundred percent sense why he's like, this game is uh not, doesn't have the graphics, doesn't have the clout. And doesn't have a celebrity, right? So it's like, right. kind of goes against his marketing. It's also not extreme either. So it kind of goes against the Sega Genesis branding at the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I actually, I reached out to Al Nilsen, who, um, you know, we're talking about him. He was the director of marketing at Sega of America from 1989 to 1993. We asked him to share his memories of the game when it released with the Genesis in August 1989. And he actually pushed back... And claimed that the game was not a launch title. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and what so I thought that? I was done doing these notes, and I had to go back through and I dug further. I reached out a to a friend of the show, Ken Horowitz of Sega16.com, who we've actually had twice on our Swingin' Report Show mm-hmm. podcasts. Like I completely forgot we talked to him so much. Um and you know, Ken, always the helpful guy, he told us that Al had told him the following a few months ago. So this is a quote. This is what Alice Nilsson said. He said, For some reason I don't remember Alex Kidd as a watch title. I always draw a blank on this title. Also, its stock number of 1005 puts it after Ghosts and Ghouls, which kind of implies that it had, it was a later title. But I just don't know for sure, but my gut says no. Stock numbers were assigned by category of game, first two numbers, and then numerically by the order, they became a planned part of the product line. Sometimes they match release and sometimes they don't. Um, the fun of developing and marketing software. But the initial titles were pretty accurate since they were the only titles we had. So with that in mind, one zero would be the category and zero five 5 would be Alex Kidd. And I'm assuming categories like action-adventure mm,
1: maybe. so maybe
0: one zero, and then zero five would be the fifth game, which means you're already five deep, and the Genesis did not launch with that many games. You know, you look at those early ads, which we'll we'll take a look at in a little bit, but like all they show is really um, like Space Harrier, Thunderblade, and altered Beast. They don't show that much more than that. So yeah. so with that in mind, um, I referred back to an article that I had planned to show in this episode backing up Alex Kidd as a launch title. Cause can you bring up the Sega's Genesis? Do you see that magazine? The,
1: the magazine one? The, the preview?
0: Yeah, like the two pages?
1: Yeah, I got it.
0: Um, so if you can see it here, on the far right, it shows Alex Kidd games yeah. right there. So I was like, oh, it was a launch title. But in reading the article itself here, they do say that um, it's just releasing with a handful of strong titles, um, and they only list Space Harrier 2, Super Thunderblade. That's really it. And then they push Altered Beast. So despite being mentioned, shown here on the side, like it's, it's not clearly said that it was a launch title. It's just shown there. And um, worth noting, too, uh, Thunderblade did not release as a launch title. That released um, about two or three weeks later. So if we are just talking about games that came out August 14th, 1989, you know, the first day that the Genesis is in America, I don't think you could have bought Alex Kidd. In fact, as you'll see here, so um, reviews for the game, like I mentioned, they hit in May 1989, um, and GamePro and Video Games and Computer Entertainment Magazine had these Um I think they were playing the Japanese version, which released February 89. And, well, I skimmed both of them, and they don't really mention anything, like the characters losing their clothes, which would be a very clear sign that they were playing an import. Um, they do mention Jenkins, and I don't think it's possible that they were playing, review copy, or were playing American review copies from Sega. I think they were just playing what they had on hand, and based on articles like this, they knew... Alex Kidd would be releasing with the Genesis. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So if you want to bring up this next one, it's that multicolored ad. It has a choo-choo train and a little Cherry Mary muffin doll.
1: It's up. (laughs) I got it.
0: Yeah, so um, further digging showed no sign of Alex Kidd in early ads for the Genesis. Only listing, and I'll list them off here, Altered Beast, Soccer, Last Battle, Super Thunderblade, Tommy Lasorda Baseball, Thunder Force 2, and Ghouls and Ghosts. And not to say that those are launch titles, but those all released within the launch window because this ad is from October 1989. Hmm. Additionally, there is a Sears 1989 Christmas catalog, which I actually own. Wow. (laughs) And I got this from a store in my neighborhood that sells, like, uh, nostalgia stuff. And I was like, oh, I will buy all of these old catalogs because... You can see here, it's got the uh, Sega Genesis um, advertisement oh, yeah. here with the games. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, they're selling the Genesis for one hundred eighty nine ninety five, And then the games they advertise here are uh, Super Thunder Blade, Space Harrier 2, Tommy Lasorda Baseball, Super Hang-On, Thunder Force 2, World Soccer, Ghouls and Ghosts, Last Battle. That's it. Which one you to buy,
1: though? Last battle, remember that one? Probably it's last Black battle Belt too.
0: Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can see right there, like there's no sign of Alex Kidd anywhere, and this is the Christmas catalog. This is December now, so that pushes us up to December 1989. I will bet that Alex Kidd did not even re- release in 1989, despite the uh, back of the game saying 1989 copyright. Um, I would almost guess it was a winter or even spring 1990 release, and the only thing I really had backing that up was that there was a video on YouTube showing someone walking through a Toys R Us in 1990, and you can see Alex Kidd there. The game's priced, like I said, at 39.99, which is a little lower, but I think it might have launched at that price because sometimes they'll go like knock five bucks off to look more appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there you have it. Alex Kidd was not a launch title, and I don't even think it released in 1989. So, it's just if, like
1: if you have any of your uh, YouTubers that you follow, and they're making videos of them crying, talking about how Alex Kidd is one of their launch title games on the Sega Genesis, they're lying to you, right? Well, it just yeah, and it
0: <laughs> but it just goes to show that you you can't rely on Wikipedia, you can't rely on uh, Google searching Sega Genesis launch games because time and time again you'll get lists showing Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle, and it's not a launch game. It's not even a, a launch window game, I would <laughs> argue. Like, if you're releasing early 1990 and the system came out in August 1989, um, yeah, that's like, that's really far removed. And yet we still bundle in, like, you know, some people might claim Super Thunderblade. Was even though it released in uh, September, so mm. that's the news. George Alex Kid, not a launch title. Anyway, um, yeah. despite releasing within the launch window, which is likely within six months of the console's release, Alex did not see much, if any, marketing. And um, do you think do you think Sega was wise just to not waste their time on Alex Kid?
1: I think so. I I mean, I mean they had How dare this. You? I, I think there's aspects of uh, of him that could have been saved if they kind of gave him more time and went in and like rethought like oh instead of it being rock paper scissors maybe he'll have three attacks and we'll just call him rock paper scissors and integrated with the platforming right um, right um, or you know but like just continuing this whole thing where you have to do rock paper scissors and give it up to chance. It's kind of hard for me to think of kids back then not being upset that they uh, mastered a game and they lost by chance. Like, there's no actual strategy. It's kind of hard, right? Like...
0: Right. Yeah, so and...
1: I, what are your opinion on that?
0: I mean, I, I think by the time it was coming out, Mickey Mouse was already the big platformer. I think Sonic the Hedgehog was maybe not in development because that is kind of early, but... Seg of America, we're starting to think we should start trying to find a new platforming game that'll really wow people. Um, so I just think by, hmm?
1: I was gonna say I wouldn't even be shocked that if we like dig deep into the history of the Illusion game that like maybe there was even a plan to like make it a uh, like a Alex Kidd game where he just like in this random castle world. Like hmm. in the end of the day, I feel like Mickey Mouse and having the castle of illusions game kind of put alex kid to the to the side faster than i mean of course sonic the hedgehog was the nail in the coffin for right. i think for i think mickey mouse not being the leading game on the platform but like i think sega was obviously obviously smart to make their own ip and their own character instead of relying on mickey but i do feel like mickey probably took his spot alex kid's spot he's more popular he's a slower platforming game uh highly animated compared to this <laughs> so i i don't know i just feel like the evolution of him would probably be i don't know like what would you rather play as a kid alex kid a, a thing you never heard about in the 90s or an, a mickey mouse game like when i was a kid i used to like rent a really bad mickey mouse game on the nes or so i saw it wasn't that bad but I used to rent it over and over again because it just had Mickey Mouse on it. Like, that's it. Like, when I was a kid, that's all I cared about. It didn't have to... Like, I'd never heard of Alex Kidd, so... Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that goes hand-in-hand with their their relying on celebrities and games that really wow graphically. And I think Alex Kidd just didn't have either one of those. I mean, even Space Harrier 2, despite kind of being a janky sequel, is cool-looking. Like, that's a good way to showcase your game. Um Let's let's talk about the game's development. I know we're an hour in here, but this is going to take a really long time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. Surprisingly, very little is written about Enchanted Castle's development. The game lacks a staff role, and the staff have only been revealed in various interviews. So we have Kotaro Hayashida, role unknown. <laughs> uh, we have Reiko Kodama, we know very well, and yeah. maybe the designer of the game. It's unknown again. Um, we have a person named Tarnya, whose uh, whose actual name is Chikado Kamatani, Kamatani um, who later moved on to Artoon and worked on Pinobi. Okay. And then remember that. And then uh, we have Izuho Numata, who's the voice of Alex Kidd. And um,
1: is, is this person still uh, alive? Is who? Is this... Uh, Normada still alive?
0: Um, lat, Last I see, they worked on a game in 2013, so maybe. Uh, they look like they worked on a lot of... Uh, worked on sound for a lot of games under the name Ippo. They worked okay. on Fantasy Star 3. They worked on Land of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse. Um, Alex Kidd in Enchanted Castle. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is a sound <laughs> assistant, so, you know, they... All these people had long careers, but none of them are talking about Alex Kidd. Um, (laughs) so that's, that's that, but you know, it goes to show that, you know, it was a real sweatshop mentality with the, uh, with that development team. So it makes sense that there wouldn't be much to say. I mean, I, 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 think we were even kind of scratching our heads and trying to figure out what was going on with Miracle World. When that came out, we had a bit to say, but nothing, nothing groundbreaking, um, at the time, reviews were average. The game was rated in the mid sixties out of a hundred. While Japan's Beep Mega Drive magazine gave the game a low forty, ouch! Wow, they hated um, it. Let's talk about the cover art for the game. We can talk about that. So, uh, if you want to bring up the Japanese one first,
1: oh no! I, I okay. Here we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, so as you can see here it's very like clip arty. Alex gets jumping, kicking rocks. It's a very like this is a this is an aesthetic in Japan. I never really got this one. Yeah. It's like a dirty, sketchy. It kinda uneven reminds
1: lines. me it kinda reminds me of those like random mangas that you find where it's like really aimed at little kids, where it's like yeah. this really like specific art style. I, I kinda I think it's kinda cute in a way. And I yeah. really like the little side on the spine. The Mega Drive it has uh, him. I and love his that. Little P yeah. I Yeah. I like that. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an okay cover. Maybe I mean, add some. I don't know. It, it looks good. I mean, it it really does capture the game though because it has the ice here, the rocks, the the pyramids that are obviously two stages. The mummies. And then the
0: sky castles up
1: there. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah, mean, it, you're well right.
0: It does remind me of like kids, uh, kids focused uh, art in Japan. That is cute, and I love the yeah. spine. I love his little e. Um, let's look at the American one. Oh boy,
1: oh, looks beautiful too. <laughs> it looks like a dude. It looks like a, your next it, Barry. It's me. If, if I drew, yeah, I was gonna say if I drew you as a cartoon, I draw you there. I mean. It's a, it's basically a white dude, right? That like looks like he just came from a golf trip, and he's like, "What's up, guys? This is my game." <laughs> Perfect, yeah, I'm dude. trying
0: to do it. Uh, yeah, he's got the um, the castle in the background. I mean, all the stages are there. They got some of the enemies. The six armed guy.
1: To make, they try to make him look more like a uh, American cartoon look, I guess, like Popeye or something, kind of. Uh, a yeah.
0: yeah, I mean. I, I think the stuff around him looks nice, but I think Alex Kidd himself just looks—it doesn't look like Alex Kidd at all. It just looks like some dorpy dude. It, like the shirt doesn't even match. It's like a yeah, like a yellow adventure shirt. But that's where I kind of got that Indiana Jones vibe from him, and with the pyramids up there. And uh, on the on the back too, it's wor- worth pointing out that it looks like someone took a photo of the game, like from a TV screen. Oh.
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah, Ad, Ad Nielsen did that. He was like. <laughs> His oh, you think then so? Put, yeah, and then he taped it on the back. Yeah. And then he found photo- yeah, most likely. <laughs>
0: uh Oh, pedicopters on the back here. Yeah. Ashra. look, it so has they, the
1: it has the address of uh, Sega of America. Not. Should we visit them? It doesn't work anymore, but we could go to the building and.
0: South. Uh, squat. South San Francisco. Well, I've never it. heard it called that. Is it called that? South San Francisco.
1: No idea. <laughs> Didn't they just call it, like, the trashy side of San Francisco now? I Isn't don't that know that
0: song? You if to... you're going to South San Francisco. Um, so there you have it. The game itself has been released to several Genesis compilations, including Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection, Sega Genesis Classics Collections, the Wii Virtual Console, and the Genesis Mini. However, the game did not see release on the Japanese Mega Drive Mini but if you good (laughs) but if you change the genesis mini region to japan it will show the japanese version of the game which is really cool um so what is your suggested way to play the game to listeners and viewers and what um what do you what do you think the best release is
1: none no um uh, i would say any of the emulated ones are just fine like i don't think any of these are like uh like pad collections like the the ultimate genesis collection genesis classes they're fine the wii virtual console which you can't get anymore so i can't say that i want to say the sega genesis mini but then again you like you said it has to be the japanese version of the game so i would say oh it doesn't okay then the mini so that way everybody could go buy it and support sega and uh you could have a miniature sega genesis and uh impress all your friends Right, out.
0: I I think the Genesis Mini is the best one because there's a lot of early Master or early uh, Mega Drive games on there, and the fact that if you switch the region, it does have the Japanese version means you get to check out the uh, the nudity mode <laughs> and see and see uh, Alex Kid's little elephant trunk. Um, I mean, you know, uh,
1: that's what I don't into. think any
0: of these versions the are bad, but to be honest, I think either the the original on the cartridge or the Genesis Mini one is the best way to go. Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So um, Alex Kidd in Shinobi World would end the series for decades, and Enchanted Castle is seen by many as the last game in the franchise. From there, Alex made cameos in Sega Gaga, and the Superstars and All-Stars series, and we go into this more in Sega Talk number 30. Um, yes. And you can also hear more about Alex Kidd in our Superstars Tennis episode, which is number 37. Uh, Alex Kidd has since been confirmed to return, as we mentioned, in 2021 in Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX by Merge Games, Jenkin Team, and Sega. So, Damn. George, to wrap things up, because I don't think we'll talk about Alex Kidd for a while, but I think we will return either to discuss his other games as one episode or maybe shinobi world i feel like that would be a really fun one to talk about um do you think alex Kidd left the legacy it deserved or do you think the series deserved more or less
1: that's a hard that's kind of a hard question because like me and you didn't grow up during the time with sega when they were on the master system we didn't know what it was like to like go into playground and, and start and be like, yeah, I own a master system and everybody like 90% of people own an NES. Right. So I don't want to say if he deserves what, you know, the legacy he left behind. I will say that, um, I think that it's a character that, uh, just needed to be ironed out more and just happened that more popular IPs took its place. I do think that, uh, my favorite depiction of Alex Kidd is the one I posted on Twitter a while back where it was the, the one on, um, The worlds collide with uh, the Sonic Archie comic. Yeah. I think they did a a good job of like giving him this personality of he's like, I, oh, we got to play rock, paper, scissors. And it's like always in agreement. And it's always like he's always out for adventure, kind of like a Sonic thing, but giving it his own little twist that he's always up for games. He's always up (laughs) for anything, right? Yeah. And so I like that way, the, 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 you know, uh, aspect of him. I think this kind of like, old japanese was uh not as good i think they needed if they do dx i hope they uh think about that comic right the dx team that's doing it right now and kind of give it that personality in like a 16-bit or you know whatever it is now right like the hand drawing graphics that'd be cool if they kind of capture that personality
0: i agree with you yeah i think dx will really be a make or break point for the series I mean, obviously, if the game does well, Alex Kidd's back. If it doesn't, people are going to be like, yeah, it's probably best that we forget about this game. And I, I think Alex Kidd left the legacy it left. I don't really know if it deserved more or less. I will say, though, that I feel like there's a lot of people out there who who hype the game up a lot more than what it actually is. and And mm. also, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are like, you know you'll see on on twitter or stuff they'll go Sega give us another Alex Get give it give it give it
1: and it's like i it. want to ask these
0: people like have you played the games cuz they're they're average i mean they're fine but i don't think they are deserving of sega taking the time to revive them which is why i think it was a smart bet to license it out and work with a team who is passionate about the series and is already putting the work in so i think that's great that that it's happening i just think i mean i we hope people it. enjoy it
1: we we deal with sega fans a lot on twitter and are yeah. you surprised at some of these accounts that pop up Where like it's a twitter account that like it's always used and always retweeting and it's literally all based around like alex Kidd. we have a few of these people that like retweet us and like comment on some of our stuff and it's like uh profile all alex Kidd, and he's only talking about alex kid it's like i don't understand like there's like this cult fan base for this character that like isn't anywhere near mainstream obviously but right i mean i I would say i don't
0: i don't understand where anyone finds the time to do that for anything it just seems strange to me to like put so much effort but shenmue fans do this all the time i'll see this guy and he's like i'm i'm aspiring to be an actor and i will only post about shenmue on twitter and i'm like where are you finding time to do this like is there more that defines you than that i don't know but i mean i guess that's what a a dedicated obsessed fan does is they like do stuff Did that I... people would go really you're doing that
1: okay uh, all right i um, will say that at least for Shimyu, the the at the time the advertisement for that was like insane at least oh and, like, no I don't but feel i like think alex alex kid had that insane push ever
0: right i think i think Shenmu was a series that kind of cultivated that fan mentality and and i think earned it even though i think some of the fans are you know over the top but that's what some fans are i think with alex Kidd, though it's just i have to ask them like did you really play all these games and think they were like awesome and like top tier sega Mm -hmm. i mean if you did then more power to you but let's be honest here guys um but you know i i i like alex kid nothing against him i'm glad he's coming back and i'm interested to see uh what the franchise brings and you know talking about alex kid for over an hour here i really want to go back now and check out all those games that i glance you know skimmed over when i was going through rom collections um so let's let's round things off let's finish things off with memories from our patreon members so if you support us at any level on patreon you get to share your memories of the game, and it will be read at the end of the episode. Um, so here we go. We have two uh, mainstays. We have Daniel Andres. He says, I remember when I first got this game for my Sega Genesis, either in 2012 or 2013. It was my first Alex Kid game, and I thought it was all right. I didn't really like the box art that much, but the game itself <laughs> was tons of fun. And was also filled with lots of charm. I do get a good smile out of the Jenkin mini games whenever they popped up. I haven't touched it since, and no longer own that copy. But I do still have it on multiple collections that I own. Uh, Nicholas Schaefer says, "What?
1: He's gonna hate this episode because we made fun of the Jenkins. What?" <laughs>
0: uh, Nicholas Schaefer says, so I'm a big Sonic and Sega fan and always will read about this mythical mascot before Sonic. And when they came out on Wii, I got all his games. This one was definitely my favorite because it's 16bit, but I will say I'm glad Sega went with Sonic still Alex Kid for Smash and pumped for his <laughs> upcoming game. I think I, I missed a word there, but uh, Alex, oh Alex Kid for Smash. he wants him in yes. Smash Brothers.
1: Of course. Why would you want them?
0: I don't speak your language, kids. I'm sorry. When you say Force <laughs> smash, I think you're talking like the Hulk or something. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I, I'm pumped for his upcoming game too. So, uh, until we play that, and until we talk about Alex Kidd again, you can join us on the next episode where we'll cover. Oh, um, oh I, can I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite oh, game. Oh yes. Of, uh, <laughs> Um, So from myself and George, thank you for listening. And George, say the last word.
1: I'll see you guys next time. Bye.
0: (laughs) That was more than one word.
1: That was more than one word, yeah. All right.